<laughs> Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> not everybody. <laughs> At least <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> okay. I will. I've been thinking. I was thinking about this this morning. I was thinking about uh, the days of Noah and the dove that went out from the ark, and I was thinking, I can relate to that. He he. Noah sent him out from the ark, and he just kept going out looking for something. God's people were in the ark, and. So the dove was going out looking for something, and he just kept coming back and couldn't find anything out there, so he just kept coming back. <laughs> and so, uh, and then when he did finally come back uh, the last time, all he had was just a little sprig of a tree in his beak. <sighs> I s hope you're satisfied with a sprig of a tree. <laughs> anyway, so... Uh, there's a, I'll get this out of the way too. There's a song that used to sing when I was growing up, and there are actually three verses. And there's one here that was really fun to sing, but I'll just tell you how it went. On Sunday, you'll be happy. This is talking about the, the joy, the joys of salvation. And all these little kids sitting in the first couple rows when, when we were kids, there were a lot of us. On, this, is the, this is the result of salvation. On Sunday, you'll be happy. On Monday, full of joy. On Tuesday, you'll have peace with God that nothing can destroy. On Wednesday and on Thursday, you'll still be in the light. On Friday, we'll be heaven below. The same on Saturday night. Is that true? Yes. Is it false? Yes. I've been a Christian for over 50 years now. And that is not my typical week. I'm not always happy on Sunday. I'm always filled with joy on Monday. Though the scripture tells me I have peace with God, it says on Tuesday and, Tuesday and on Wednesday, I have peace with God that nothing can destroy. It doesn't take much in my life for me to be filled with anxiety rather than peace. On Friday, you'll, it'll be like heaven on earth. Same on Saturday night. Okay. So what I'm, my message is going to be about, I hope, will be a message of some encouragement to you as a believer. Because if you're like me, if you're like me, and I believe that you probably are, some of you anyway, even as believers, we get, let, let me ask this question. I'm going to pray just here in a minute, but 
What does this mean? What does this mean? Young people? Losers. <laughs> now, if I had a full-length mirror here, I would not use my right hand. I would use my left hand. Loser. You ever feel that way? Even as a Christian? Let's pray. And then, by the way, I listened to Alex's message this morning on KJN, and it's in 1 Peter. It was very, he was concise. It made a lot of sense. And in my heart and mind, I find no conflict between what I'm going to say here and what he preached this morning, but it might sound like there's a conflict. But it isn't and not intended that way. And so let's pray. Father, we're asking that you will speak today through your word. Use me as you would please. Uh, erase anything that is incorrect that I... Uh, present as truth, and prevent us from misapplying your word in our lives. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Mes message this morning, the title of it I put here is Selective Hearing, slash, Bleeding Sheep and Lowing Oxen. And if you're... Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15, I'll see if I can read without my glasses. I do have my glasses in my pocket just in case. You know the story, Saul has been selected king, and God says to him, Saul, go, go slaughter these people, kill everything, uh, including the animals. And so Saul goes, and in the... 1 Samuel chapter 15, we're going to read verse 13 and 14 to start with. And so he has gone through the, the uh, slaughtered these people. Then he builds an, a, uh, it says that he uh, built, an, built a tower on his way back, sort of to commemorate it, I guess, or to uh, point out that it was him that did it. I don't know exactly why he did, did that tower. But in verse 13, it says, Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? You know, all know the story. Then uh, Samuel says, Okay. Uh, Saul says, I've done, it. I've done what the Lord said. And then... Uh, Samuel says, no, you didn't. And he says in, in verse uh, 20, 22, Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams, etc., etc. Okay. When we're in a Bible study, an academic exercise, you know, you get to sit in a room and you're having a Bible study and you're going through this passage and 
the question invariably, not maybe invariably, but oftentimes the question comes up. Do you think Saul was a believer? Don't answer that. Don't answer that. There are those that later in the passage it says that uh, Saul says to Samuel, I have sinned. Okay, that sounds almost like repentance, doesn't it? He admits that he sinned, and yet he loses the kingdom. But he disobeyed. Okay. All right, let's see. I'm going to pick out the people that disobeyed the Lord this past week. Uh, there. <laughs> Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> Can a person be a Christian and disobey the Lord? The answer is yes. Okay, what is the result of disobeying the Lord as a Christian? I'd say it's, a, at least for me, that's what the result is. I feel like such a loser. I've been a Christian for 50 years. And my obedience to the Lord is, I don't know if I can get my fingers that close. I'm going to read a few passages here. Uh, Luke chapter 6. We were in this in our Tuesday evening Bible study the other night, a couple weeks ago. And it's a troubling passage. I'm going to get my glasses out because I really am struggling a little bit with, with uh, this. I think I'll get my glasses out if I can find them. Maybe it's, are my glasses there in the, on the bench there? Are they there? Okay. I'm not going to be like some of those preachers that walk up and down the aisle and <laughs> pick people out and harass them and push them around. And even our new member of the he, 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 he knows what that's about. One of our conference speakers pushed him <laughs> practically out of his chair when he was <laughs> preaching it, so... Luke chapter 6, verses 43 to 45. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bram bramble bush. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. And then this is the verse that's, been, that's troubled me. Well, it, 
it troubled me then and it troubles me less now, but it troubles me every time I read it, actually. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Okay. At least I had a couple people that were honest and said that they disobeyed the Lord this past week. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Let's go over a few, few more uh, few pages. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. This is Jesus speaking. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Okay, Christian. Did you do that last week or the week before? Take up your cross and follow me. Let's go over another Verse 62 of that same chapter. No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Are you, uh, on Sunday I am happy, on Monday full of joy. <laughs> on Tuesday I have peace with God which nothing can destroy. These passages are not reinforcing that song for me. Okay, now I'm going to read a few more verses. Exodus chapter 19. And these are, this will be familiar. Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 to 8. It's the children of Israel. And this is the message to the children of Israel. They've heard from God. God spoke to them from the mountain. Verse 5 of Exodus chapter 19. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. I'm going to be talking a little bit about this false promise a little bit later here. All that the Lord says, we will do. Were they sincere in that? Probably. Were they able to do it? No. Did they do it? No. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4, 5, and 13. We were going over this in our study on Saturday. God is bringing the people to the promised land and this is something that was, and we hear this quoted even by the Jewish people today in some measure. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses, verse 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart 
and with all your soul and with all your strength. Verse 13. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall take oaths in his name. Okay. The first commandment, well, I shouldn't say the first, but the primary commandment is love the Lord your God with everything that you are and everything that you have. Love the Lord your God. Okay? That's it. Right there. And you don't do it either. That's what God commands his people. Love me. Do what I say. With everything you are and have, this is what I want from you. John chapter 14. And verse 15 says this. If you love me, keep my commandments. John 14, verse 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Verse 24 of John chapter 14. He who does not love me does not keep my words. There's a full-length mirror here. This is a sign for being a loser. Now, this is what I say to you, brother, sister. He who does not love me does not keep my words. Several of you have admitted that you've disobeyed the Lord this past week. How about today? What does logic tell you? He who does not love me does not keep my words. Okay, now, Based on that, what is your answer when I ask you, do you love Jesus? Careful. <laughs> okay, then the question becomes, well, Maybe I'm like Saul. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm not a Christian. Maybe I'm not really a believer because I look at my life and it doesn't align with what it says here. 
What's the problem? Are you a believer or not? <laughs> Am I a believer or not? A little further indictment talking about obeying the Lord. Colossians chapter 3. Verses 8 and 9 to start with. And his, he's addressing Christians here. But now, you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Drop down to verses 18 through 21. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Verse 20, children, obey your parents in all things, but for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. 21, fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. And it goes on, bond servants do this, etc. On Sunday, I am happy. On Monday, full of joy. On Tuesday, I have peace with God that nothing can destroy. On Wednesday and on Thursday, I still am in the light. On Friday, it is heaven below. The same on Saturday night. I haven't been very successful in 50 years. I don't know how long you've been a Christian, but I trust that there are a few of you anyway that have experienced the same type of failures, maybe not to the same degree, but have experienced some of the same failures I have. Now, so, I asked the question, okay, are we a Christian or not? How does one become a Christian? Let's cover that for just a moment because I wouldn't expect that you would obey the Lord or do any of these things that we've read about if you're not a Christian. But if you are a Christian, how do you how did you become a Christian? Well, one of the first requirements for becoming a Christian is to be a non-Christian, to be lost, to be a sinner. We must acknowledge that. But let's let's talk a little bit about repentance. I think repentance is very much linked to conviction of sin. The Holy Spirit is in the world to convince men of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment to come. 
And what repentance is, is when a person finally agrees that God is right. Yes, I am a sinner. Another part of it is recognizing that God is just and that you deserve to be punished for it. That is, uh, stop arguing with God. Don't say, it's, well, it doesn't seem fair that I should be responsible for something that Adam did. I, I wasn't there. I, I didn't have a choice in the matter. But the day comes before you're a Christian when you're like the prodigal son that comes to himself and then he says, I think I'll go to my dad and say this, I have sinned before heaven and in your sight and am no more worthy to be called your son. It's the day that you actually look at yourself in the mirror and you recognize that that is you. You are a sinner and you are lost. Instead of a loser, think of it as lost. You're undone, and you have no power to do anything about it. You are lost, and you cannot save yourself. You're done for. Then, once we recognize that, then we believe that Jesus, who is he, is exactly who he says he is and that he can do exactly what he says he will do. We must believe that Jesus is, in fact, the Son of God, that he is, in fact, God manifested the flesh, and that he can and will put away sin. He will forgive sin by the sacrifice of himself. Three, we must accept the offer. You can say, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. He was a historical person. I believe that he was actually the son of God. He went, to, he went to the cross and was crucified. Yeah, I know I'm a sinner. Okay. What's the missing element here? You have to accept that uh, offered gift. Jesus offers you a gift. Eternal life based on what he's done. Romans 10 and 9 says this. It, now, this is going to be controversial with some people in the world. Romans 10 and 9 says this. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I will say this, and this is my position, and some may disagree with me. To say that that verse is telling you that you must say, surrender complete to the Lord Jesus in order to be saved, is, uh, I, don't, I do not think that it's correct theology. As a sinner, you do not have the power to make that promise because you can't make that promise. The Israelites proved it. They said, all that the Lord says we will do. 
If you come to Christ and you say, I'll do everything you say, that is not what it says here. We have to recognize who Jesus is, and he is the Lord, and yes, we should obey him, but that is, that is discipleship. It's not gaining eternal life. Salvation is of the Lord. It's not of me. And so to put the criteria that I must uh, make him the Lord of my life in order to be saved is uh, I will call it wrong. Now, once I am saved, there's something wrong with me if I'm in unwilling to say, you are the Lord of my life. You have purchased me. You have saved me from an eternity separated from you. Now I want to do, I want to do your will. Even though I find myself oftentimes not doing it, but I want to. On my good days, I'm willing to do God's will in my life as a Christian. Here is something that's very encouraging to me. John chapter 15 and verse 16 says this. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Years ago, we had a little uh, tape at home that was a testimony of a man by the name of, I think his name was Bob Benson. He was dying of cancer. And he was thrilled with the knowledge that he was chosen. Chosen in him before the foundation of the world. When I was in uh, elementary school, we had this practice sometimes in the playground of uh, choosing teams. I see Kemp back there. If, uh, if we'd grown up together in elementary school and we were choosing up teams for baseball, the captain of the team would have picked Kemp probably first or second. And I'd be standing off there in the background waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally, when all the rest of the people were chosen, then the captain of the team would say, okay, <laughs> come on, Ned. <laughs> I was good at flashcards. It was okay to be in class and do flashcards for, for uh, in math, you know. Eight times seven is 56. Seven times seven is uh, 49. You know, I knew those. But I wasn't too good at baseball. 
But Jesus, I did not choose him, but he chose me. That should be uh, quite exciting. This particular Sunday, this Sunday today, that knowledge tells me it's okay for me to say, on Sunday, I am happy. And if I carry that knowledge into tomorrow, I'll say, on Monday, I'll be full of joy. Okay, we've got a few minutes left. I want to get to this. John chapter 20. I do, and you can look this up for yourself. Uh, the Apostle Paul in Romans, he talks about, you know, talk about a person that was dedicated to uh, obeying the Lord. And yet in uh, Romans chapter, I think it's five, maybe seven, Romans chapter seven, in verses 15 to 25, the Apostle Paul talks about the struggle he had. What was the struggle he had? He had a struggle with a lot of people persecuting him, but the struggle that he really uh, talked about and was anxious about was that there were things he wanted to do in obedience to the Lord. And he said, I find myself messing up. I don't do them. What's wrong? In Hebrews, it tells us to run the race with patience, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. It tells us in that past, in that verse, to put aside every weight in the sin which so easily besets us. That is the problem we have. I would do this again. But we are. We are very much losers in performance when it comes to uh, our Christianity and what we're supposed to do. John chapter 20 for just a few verses there and then we'll be done. And you know the passage. It's, it's, uh, it's in 20 and 21. We'll start with uh, the end of chapter 20. It's uh, Thomas. Verse 24 of, of uh, John chapter 20. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. They had a testimony meeting there and all these other brothers of his, his Christian brothers, were saying to him, we have heard, we've seen the Lord, we've seen the Lord. And Thomas said, that's not good enough for me. After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them and Jesus came. And you know, if I'd thought about it, I would have had Doug help me with this illustration. I'd had him sit up here and pretend to be me and I would pretend to be Jesus and I'd come over and sit beside him and I'd put my arm around him and I'd say, reach your finger here and look at my hands 
and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And what was Thomas's response? My Lord and my God. What changed Thomas in that one week? I'll tell you what changed Thomas in that one week. It was that instant when Jesus sat down beside him and he said, here, touch me. I would encourage, you may not be able to be here all the time, but on our first hour, the first hour on Sunday morning uh, is an experience like that where Jesus invites us to come and he says, here, touch my hand. Put your hand in my side. And then we go, <laughs> yeah, Jesus died and he died for me. He died for me personally. Sure, he died for God to love the world. But God loved me. And he gave himself for me. Okay. Then we'll read on in, this in the next chapter. You know the story. Peter goes fishing. You go fishing and they don't catch anything. I'll try to be done in just a few minutes. And then Jesus comes on the shore and he says, children, have you got any food? No. That's encouraging, isn't it? That's how it is with sometimes when, when it comes, you're supposed to be a fisherman, you're supposed to be able to catch fish. You're a Christian, you're supposed to be able to produce fruit. Do you have any food? No. So he gives him further instruction. And then they catch a lot of fish. Jesus gives him the ability to catch a lot, a lot of fish. And then Peter jumps in the water. He swims to shore because he's been told it's Jesus. And here, Jesus is very gracious. He is gracious to Peter, and he was gracious to us. He says to Peter, he's already got the stuff cooking. He's got breakfast ready. And he says to Peter, bring some of the fish which you have caught. He doesn't need your fish. He can feed you without your fish. Then he says in verse 12, come and eat breakfast. Then you know the rest of the story here. He says to Peter, Simon, this is verse 15. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? 
He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Second time, he says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, tend my sheep. Verse 17, he said to him a third time, do you love me? And Peter said, you know all things, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Please notice, Jesus did not say to Peter, have you been a good boy? Have you obeyed me? You're not going to obey Jesus if you don't love him. That's the short, painful answer. If you do not love Jesus, you will not obey him. But Jesus did not ask Peter if he obeyed him. He said, do you love me? There is a hymn, and I will finish with this, that we sometimes sing. How can I help but love him when he loved me so? How can I help but love him when he loved me so? Your successful life as a Christian, whatever successes you have, will not be primarily because you can look back and say, I obeyed this, and I obeyed this, and I obeyed this. I'm going to sound almost charismatic here, but... Do you love Jesus? Can I get a witness? Do you love Jesus? Can I have an Amen. I had a just a momentary thought here. One of the ways of how do you get to the point where you actually love Jesus? One of them is to have breakfast with Jesus. Spend time with him. Talk to him. I actually had a I don't do this often. But I had a very short prayer meeting with Jesus last night, actually, before I went to bed. I recognize that a lot of you are a lot like me. <laughs> Not that bad. But in many ways, you are like me. You have problems uh, being satisfied with your Christian life. Because you are... <laughs> losers when it comes to performance. But I prayed just before I went to bed 
said, if I can't be an encouragement to these people that are like me, do something overnight to disable me so I cannot preach tomorrow. So here I am. <laughs> so I trust that it's uh, meaningful to you. I, I will end with this little quotation from a song. Uh, Brad Paisley, he's a country western guy. I don't know what his theology is. I don't know if he's a Christian or not, but some of the things he says make me think that he is. And he sings a song about when I get to where I'm going. And one of the lines in his song is this. When I get to where I'm going, there'll be only happy tears. I'll shed the sins and struggles that I've carried all these years. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful that you haven't left us here to struggle on with no hope for our futures. We are failures in our uh, disciplines, and yet we know that the day is coming when we will see Jesus as he is and we will be as he is. Help us to rejoice in that and to conduct ourselves uh, in that knowledge. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.